0: your
1: championship listen to this crowd
2: Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond here's Grant McCauley
0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley and it's time for another chat about the Atlanta Braves and of course a little Major League Baseball we'll toss in there as well from time to time. But this really is series focused on getting ready for the 2021 season by looking at each position group for the Braves as we get set for opening day, which is closing in at the start of April. On this episode of the show, we'll talk about the Braves infield anchored by National League MVP Freddie Freeman as he comes back for his encore in 2021 we'll go around the horn we'll talk about the starters that we're expecting to be in their position not a lot of surprises there and some of the guys who are vying for backup jobs to the braves infield and spots on the atlanta bench and to help me do that i'll be welcoming zach dillard of fox sports south to the show momentarily before we get started i want to remind you you can subscribe to from the diamond on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify soundcloud and stitcher leave those ratings and reviews if you like what you're hearing by all means please tell a friend that helps out the show immensely you can follow along on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Macaulay, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. The show is at From the Diamond underscore. You can also find me on Instagram at Grant McCauley there. The show is at From the Diamond with no underscore. And if you like the video version of the show, well, you're in luck. As I've started up a YouTube channel, you can find From the Diamond on YouTube. Just search for my name, Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. Subscribe over there. Always appreciate your likes and your shares. And all the other things that make the show go and if you would like to find anything else or all of the things that i have mentioned from the diamond.com is a great place for that so let's get this edition of the braves preview series going as we take a look at the braves infield and of course i'm going to need somebody to kind of throw this thing around the horn with so i decided to reach out to an old friend of the show longtime friend of the show zach dillard of fox sports south and fox sports southeast and of course At Fox Sports Braves on Twitter is where you can find a lot of of Zach's great work. And at Zach underscore Dillard is where you can follow him on Twitter as well. I've been following him for a long time. In fact, I think this is appropriate to do the infield edition of this show, Zach, because we've always joked about being the Whitaker to one another's trammel (laughs) or vice versa.
2: That's right. Yeah, you're aging me with the longtime friend of the show and (laughs) stuff. But it is true. We have been doing this for quite some time. It's great to be back. Uh, Good to be talking A full season of baseball. I enjoyed the sprint and the urgency of last year. But, um, yeah, it looks like we have a full season ahead of us. So happy to be here. Thank you for having
0: me. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to have you. And also, of course, I'd echo that. Happy to have baseball back over the course of that 162 that we've become so accustomed to. There were a lot of interesting things that came out of the year 2020. And I don't think anybody had a more interesting year for the Braves, as far as infielders are concerned, than a gentleman named Freddie Freeman. And so let's get it started with him because this is, I think, the linchpin of everything that the Braves do offensively still. Yeah, you can make that case for Ronald Acuna Jr. He's going to be here for a long time. He's super talented. But when it comes to the Braves and how far they're going to go on a given year, you have to ask, you know, where's Freddie Freeman in all of this? And last year, the answer was National League MVP. You and I have followed Freddie Freeman for a long time. We've covered him for a long time. We've gotten to know him as he's kind of grown into the player that he is. Did anything about 2020 surprise you when it came to the numbers that Freddie Freeman put up in that 60-game sprint?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't lie and just say I expected this. I mean, especially after we saw so many Major League Baseball players last year, you know, whether it was the offseason training camp that dealt with the COVID-19 mm-hmm. virus that didn't have the seasons that they were hoping for. And Freddie Freeman uh, was hit harder than just about any of them, at least by his public comments. And then for him to go out and put up the numbers that he did. You know, I I am guilty of overestimating a bunch of players over the history of the Atlanta Braves. I have no problem saying I have underestimated Freddie Freeman for quite a few times in his Mm -hmm. career, whether it be due to wrist injuries, just some fall off, a little bit of production. I mean, this guy is still, he has always been one of the best hitters in all of baseball. But I can remember even before he signed his long-term contract, there were some questions after 2013. Will he ever hit like he did in 2013 again? Sure. And then he did it again. And then 2018, 2019, a little bit fall off. And again, we're talking about the difference in an MVP candidate and an all-star. But then last year, putting together an absolutely career year, I don't really care if it was 60 games. I would have loved to have seen him be able to put up that those sort of numbers over the course of 162, Oh yeah, uh, which would have been one of the all-time greats, certainly Atlanta Braves, seasons. Uh, ever, but maybe one of the all-time great, you know, offensive seasons in MLB history. So I was 100% surprised just given the track and the journey that he went through to get there. But at the end of the season, I know I know plenty of guys had great years, but, like, at the end of the season, what he was able to do to carry this team to another National League East title, I didn't think it was a question. He was the MVP. Clearly, going into this next year, just there is that side of things the production Mm -hmm. but also just the leadership and you know me i'm on the social media side and stuff the digital side just the joy that he plays with I, i think all of that matters in the grand scheme of things and i think it sets the tone for a team and an organization and uh there's just no question about it the Braves have a good one we don't know what it's going to look like moving forward after this year right now but certainly the next thing for freddie freeman is figuring out what it looks like long term here in atlanta But um, for the 2021 season, the Braves, once again, have one of the best players in all of baseball, just anchoring the middle of that lineup.
0: Absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit about what that's going to look like in terms of a Freddie Freeman extension, what the timeline might be for that, what the number might look like. I'd be interested to hear your take on that. And we'll get to that before we move on around the rest of the infield. But just kind of circling back to a lot of different things that you said there that I really identified with because you you and I, I think, started covering the Braves simultaneously around 2013 and the Braves were a good team in 2013 in fact they were a a playoff team they won the National League East that year and then there were quite a few years of just painful rebuilding if you want to call it that especially for a franchise like the Braves that had prided itself for so long in being one of those most competitive teams in its division at the very least and of course one of the better teams in baseball over the course of the 1990s but Every year that we went, we got a little bit further away from the 1990s. And I think it was a pretty big wake up call, perhaps for Braves country, Braves fans to realize that, hey, this winning thing is actually pretty hard when you have to go through a rebuild like you did. A lot of clubs could have said, all right, look, what are our assets? We're going to trade them all away. We're going to get all the prospects we can. We're going to lose 105 games every year for four or five years. And all of a sudden, we're going to be good again. We've seen teams do it. I think some teams are currently trying to do it. But the Braves decided to hold on to Freddie Freeman. They gave him that eight-year, $135 million extension right before they went into the rebuild, and he stayed the course. And I think that Freddie Freeman grew a lot. And playing for bad teams, you typically don't get the kind of press that you get when you play for a good team. But as the Braves started to surge in the standings again in 2018, I felt like we were finally starting to see Freddie Freeman get some of the press, some of the attention, and some of the accolades that he was deserving throughout his career but the team wasn't quite there with him now we've got a team really built around Freddie Freeman and a lot of other young and talented up-and-coming superstars of the game to be and I think that Freddie still managed to shine just a little bit brighter than even some of his ultra talented teammates that he had last year and it really seemed like Freddie was the guy that the Braves were following and he had to go through the COVID scare it sounded like something I would never want to go through and I was amazed once again and how he was able to, with about a week's worth of at-bats, hit the ground running and march right into an MVP season as though nothing had ever happened. And in a year like 2020, I don't think he could take anything for granted.
2: No, not at all. And again, I think he made the best case ever that Freddie's been telling us for years, I only need the amount of swings that I really need in spring training. <laughs> what he <laughs> means by that is I don't need four weeks. I don't need three weeks. Like sometimes Freddie gets into the cage and he takes ten swings and I'm like, nope, I'm good for the year. Yeah. Um and uh that is how special of a hitter that he is. A very boring B P player, but he knows his swing better than just about anyone. And uh it was never more locked in than it was last year. I am curious at, you know, how you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about where he's gonna hit in the lineup. It sounds like Brian Sitger told him he was going to hit third. Mm-hmm. I liked where he was last year. Me too. Um you know me too again like I am not one to subscribe to the fact that just because you lose the DH, you you know have to quote extend that lineup back down. I thought the Braves had the best one-two-three punch in all of baseball with Acuna, Freddie, and Azuna at the top. All three guys hitting over 400 in weighted on-base average. I would go the same route again, and again. Freddie hit over, I think it was 10.52 OPS last year. It was well over a thousand uh, OPS from the two spot last year. So it probably doesn't matter where he hits. He's probably going to hit 50, 60, 70 last year, 80% above league average. Right. Again, that's just the Freddie that we've, we've come to expect when he's healthy. But uh, we could have a whole podcast on how great Freddie Freeman is. He's clearly already one of the all-time great Braves. He's going to keep on moving up. career Careerless, uh, I think he's going to move into probably in the first few months of the season, 6th uh, or 7th all-time, at least in baseball reference war. And the guys he's behind are Hall of Famers and Andrew Jones. I mean, he's right. Yeah, uh, he's so the all-time greats like, of the franchise. Yeah, exactly. So he's um, he's right there. So we'll see um, if he's able to do it again. I mean, encores are are always difficult. There's no question about that. If he's able to put up the numbers he did last year, I think the Braves. That's the biggest piece of the puzzle in terms of making it four straight NL titles
0: yeah and let me throw a few numbers at it and again as zach as you mentioned we could sit here and do an entire podcast episode on just freddie freeman and all the different aspects of what's made up his career what makes him the special player that he is and of course what the expectations are again in 2021 last year 2020 the 60 game sprint of a season led the league in runs scored with 51 in doubles with 23 then he proceeded to be second in batting average at 341 second in runs batted in with 53 second in on-base percentage at 462 that's a ted williams number he slugged 640 that was second in the national league and his ops of 1102 was second in the national league as well he was third in hits and then if you want to start to extrapolate some of the things that freddie has done so well for quite a few years now since 2018 he's the national league leader in base hits and he's the major leagues rbi leader since 2018 with 272 of those so we got a little blend of some of the more advanced stats and then of course some of the good old-fashioned stats that i think people still gravitate toward hey do you hit a lot of home runs do you drive in a lot of runs is your batting average good that's still a decent indicator of a pretty good player by most respects but for freddie freeman not only does he pass that old school eye test he's now passing the test in just about every way you want to slice or dice his numbers
2: yeah when you look at when you look at the rankings last year, and I guess he was being held up to guys like Tethys Jr., and it was just mm-hmm. completely down the board. I mean, we couldn't make, for the television side of things, we couldn't make graphics big enough to, to fit all the stats where it was like first, second, first, second, right. first, second, first, second. I had some and, monster uh,
0: tweets where I was just running out of characters at this point <laughs> with, hey, look, I mean, he's a league leader in this too. Do I leave it off?
2: Yes, exactly. That That is, if I've ever seen Twitter consider – uh, adding more characters. It was because of all of the stats that Freddie Freeman was running through last year, but, um, it it was good to see, right? I mean, we've known since really since he broke into the league, but certainly since he became, um, the Freddie Freeman that we know today, which is more 2012, 2013, uh, taking out that rookie year. Like he's one of the five, 10, maybe tops, uh, best hitters in all of baseball. I would probably put him five, uh, if we're talking any sort of longevity there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was good to see him finally get that recognition. And he's, he's starting to, he has all the accolades now. And I love the quote that, you know, you got to love having Chipper in spring training to kind of rouse him a little bit about this. But, you know, <laughs> Freddie Freeman's mantle, his trophy case is full. You know, he has everything now. Silver Slugger, Gold Glove, All-Star, now an MVP. And, of course, Chipper Jones telling him, you have one more thing left. And Freddie Freeman knows that's the World Series ring. And I think that becomes his primary focus. He has nothing left to prove um, except to probably if he wants that Hall of Fame sort of status to continue this this great run for uh, quite a few more years. But in terms of the the accolades, um, there's really nothing left. I mean, he has nothing left to earn except to lead this team. Of course, last year, one game short of going to the World Series. So he was, uh, what would that be, five wins away. from a world series he needs five more wins uh from what he did last year to complete the complete the cycle if you will in terms of hardware
0: yeah absolutely and with freddie i know that winning has always been his number one priority he's been a superbly unselfish baseball player and if you ever needed a better example of that he has his wrist broken in 2017 another teammate comes in to play first base and Matt Adams gets hot hits a whole bunch of homers Freddie's down in the minor leagues on his rehab assignment trying to learn how to play third base on the fly I mean that's the kind of player that he's been unselfish almost to a fault in that case I feel like maybe uh, somebody up in the uh, the leadership side of things should have said you know what let's maybe not do that but I applaud the player for wanting to do something like that thinking outside the box in a year where hey the Braves weren't really going anywhere at that time but They had a chance to win more ball games with someone else in the lineup, and Freddie Freeman was ready to make that change. So I think that started to be a pretty good indicator for Braves fans that, you know, might have been kind of on the fence or not really overly excited about Freddie Freeman. Like, yeah, he's good, but man, I miss Chipper Jones or I miss such and such, and it's easy to miss the glory days. But I think Freddie Freeman has really started to carve out, as you mentioned, that, that legacy where he is climbing into that upper echelon of players in the history of the Atlanta Braves franchise and that kind of brings us to the one thing I wanted to discuss before we move on to the next position here and that is of course the legacy of Freddie Freeman that he's going to be writing as he continues his career and we hope that's going to be in an Atlanta Braves uniform so elephant in the room this year seems to be final year of his eight-year contract for Freeman that he signed way back in 2014 it doesn't feel like all that long ago then at some point it feels like an eternity ago But now he's in line for another extension. So, Zach, I'm curious what kind of terms that you would expect from this kind of deal, both length of the deal and maybe the overall money, if you want to hazard a guess on that.
2: Yeah, I'm really bad at this. I want to preface that. Um, And I at least want to find some sort of uh, precedent, even if it is small market here. But the closest I can get to in recent history would be that Christian Yelich deal. Um, He's two years older than Christian Yelich. You know, Yelich got seven years, one eighty-eight for Milwaukee. Um, that was coming off, I believe, an MVP season, or at least an MVP in his on his mantle. Yep. I would probably venture a guess to the length, more around that six, seven seasons to take Freddie maybe through his age thirty-seven season. And I think it will be in that one eighty to two hundred million dollar range. That's just me venturing a guess. Again, I am terrible at this. I at least want to put that on the podcast record as we move forward. (laughs) But Christian Yelich is probably the closest recent example. Again, the Mookie Betts deal I don't think is quite as relevant, in my opinion. So I would kind of throw Betts, even though he is a fellow MVP, uh, out of that mix. And I kind of look at Yelich. Signing that deal in March of 2020 might be the closest that I can find in terms of precedent for what Freddie's extension could look like. Where are you at?
0: Yeah, I think that it could. So I decided to, as you know, I love doing this stuff. So I decided to try to get a little creative with what I think that this could look like. And just given that the Braves have done, at least in the past, the recent past, these multi-year deals with a couple of options as well, and maybe a buyout that goes with those options. So the way I was looking at this was more of guaranteeing five years at a nice AAV so I was looking at five years and 140 plus a pair of options for 25 million dollars more as you move forward so worst case scenario Freddie's getting five years and 150 say with a 10 million dollar buyout and having a six and a seventh years so two extra years at 25 million per so all totaled up here seven years 190 million dollars if those options are exercised and maybe make them a mutual option as well that's no pun intended that's an option when you're doing these things and I feel like seven and 190 sounds like a deal that for Freddie Freeman would pretty much it's the last big contract he's going to get would keep him in a Braves uniform for the foreseeable future as well as moving forward into what you hope will be the prime of the career of Ronald Acuna Jr. of Ozzie Albies of uh, the Mike Sorokas and guys that are also part of this core that the Braves are building here, and you keep your franchise player as of right now right at the center of everything that you've built and that you're continuing to build.
2: Yeah, I like that. I mean, we're talking very, very similar length in dollar amounts, yeah. maybe with some of that extra flexibility built in, which is probably the smart way to approach it, given some recent deals given out by Alex Anthopoulos. But I'm with you. I mean, I think it it is going to be, you know, I think heading into last year, I probably would have put it in that five-year, 125 range. But then this guy goes out and wins an MVP. And I think that, you know, for Freddie, for Freddie's agent, for everybody involved, you have to know that comes with a higher price tag and deservedly so. So I'm with you. I think it is in that range. I don't think, I just think that the deals that you're taking guys into their age 40 and 41 seasons Mm -hmm. just are not on the table as much in baseball anymore. So I just don't see that. 10 year deal, you know, lifetime contract coming through for Freddie Freeman. It's not to exclude them from, you know, having, you know, some one year, you know, making him a brave for life, but I'm with you. I think dollar amount, terms, you know, length of contract, I think we're on the same page um, and what that kind of looks like for yeah. sure.
0: And if you extend it out to seven years, it takes him through his age 38 season, the way I'm looking at it. So, if he agrees with it at some point during the year, he's set to make, what, $23 million this year. Maybe this whole thing ends up looking like eight years and, say, $215 million ballpark. Something of that nature, which, as you mentioned, kind of lines up with the deal that Christian Yelich signed. At least it's very close, I-, I think. I mean, I'd have to sit down and really look at it and crunch some numbers to figure it out. Whether or not there's team options or other things, of course. The, the guaranteed money is what you want to look at if you're a player. But I do think that these two sides have a lot of motivation, one to the other, to continue this relationship that's gone so well. And I think Freddie's been pretty clear about the fact that he wants to be just like Chipper Jones in a lot of different ways, of course, on the field. I think that he would also like to remain in a Braves uniform for the entirety of his major league career. That is a pretty worthwhile goal and something you don't see as much anymore. One player, one franchise for an entire career.
2: Yeah, and I don't think it's just loyalty. I don't think it's just loyalty to a city. Mm-hmm. I think Freddie is honestly looking at what the Braves have in place sure. as an opportunity for him to continue winning. I mean, you look at this young core, and we're going to go around the horn here a little bit, but with a guy like Ozzy Albies already locked up, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. locked up, mm-hmm. certainly you have guys that are going to be extension candidates as you move forward with young pitchers like Soroka and Free. You know, they have a, you know still really good minor league system. And then of course, Danby Swanson the shortstop. So I mean, I don't think it's just. And of course, they just locked up Azuna for another mm-hmm. four years. Yeah. So I don't think it is just him saying, "This is the organization that drafted me, so I want to finish my career here." Just because I think it, I think there is that. I think he loves Atlanta. I think he loves you know what he's been able to do here, and certainly his mentor and Chipper plays a large factor uh, in all of this in retiring a Brave. Yeah, but he has a chance to win here. It, it's not just. It, it's not just that I'm going to be a Brave forever, and we're just going to be bad for the rest of my time no. here. No, it's Freddie the best Freeman's of both competitive. worlds. It's
0: the best of both worlds. Right,
2: exactly. Freddie Freeman is competitive. He wants to win. And uh, there, there is that, you know, factoring into the Braves' favor is that they have a roster that is built for the long term.
0: They definitely do. And the other thing I will say as we move on from Freddie Freeman to Ozzie Albies is that I think that Freddie has definitely earned this extension with what he's been able to do. And I think there's a lot of tread left on the tire as well. So I'm hoping that this is something that we'll be hearing about in the not too distant future as being a done deal. And hopefully you and I will look really smart with uh, the estimates that we had. And of course, the Braves getting this deal done. But keeping Freddie Freeman around, I think we can all agree, is what's best for the Braves in the not too distant future. And I think for the foreseeable future, as he's been playing at an all star level for quite a while and took it to a different level in 2020 by winning the National League MVP. So let's slide over to Freddie Freeman's right, which is where you find Ozzy Albies. Entering his age 24 season, coming off an injury affected year, as he had to battle a bum wrist for a good portion of the season, he was back for the playoffs, which was great. You wanted to have him there, at the very least, you feel like you needed to have him there. But I feel like Ozzy is still kind of just scratching the surface of what he can be as a player. He has shown us, I think, a lot in his young career in his first two full big league seasons in 2018, of course, and in 2019. He's been an all-star. He's won a silver slugger. He's been a gold glove finalist. And he's a guy that offensively is a great talent, defensively is a great talent. And when you talk about the real, I think, the spirit and the camaraderie of this Braves team, you can't underestimate how big, no pun intended, Ozzy Albies is in the entire mix of the Atlanta Braves baseball club in that clubhouse and on the field and, of course, in the standings.
2: You know what's really fascinating about Ozzy in 2020 is the Braves by almost every measure last year. It was Braves, Dodgers across the board offensively. Yep. Run scored, no advanced stats. You know, you go into weighted on-base average, barrel percentage. Whatever you want to come up with, the best two offenses in baseball last year, Braves and Dodgers, bar none. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Ozzy Alves missed over half the season and the Braves were still able to do that uh, really obviously preaches to the, the depth of this organization, but really the, how great Freddie, how great Azuna were last year. Mm-hmm. But even Acuna missed a quarter of the season last year when he wasn't tearing the cover off the ball. So the fact that they're getting Ozzy Alves, we are guessing here, that he is going to be back into the in this mix for – much more than half the season the Braves would hope uh, only bodes well for this team as they move forward and you're right he was really good in the playoffs he was good last year when he was able to hit yep. you know one thing one thing that I found really interesting kind of digging into some Aussie stats is this was really the first year that his offensive numbers weren't as propped up by just dominance against lefties and he hit righty last year yep. and all of a sudden uh if if he's going to start hitting twenty five percent against 25% above league average against righties. Didn't have nearly the the expectations that you would expect against lefties, but we're talking only a handful of the bats. But if he has figured out that side of the plate, even to hit 5, 10, 15% above league average, let alone 25, he's already one of the best second basemen in baseball. And if he can do that, it just adds another just really key weapon to one of the best offenses in all of baseball already. We know what he's capable of on the those stats, defensively. The hype of hard work—you can go in all the intangibles if you've already gone through. But I think that if Ozzy did figure out that part of it, he is, and we've talked about that for a couple of years now, whether you know that side of things does come come along. But he's already a three-four war player. I mean, Easy. you know, yeah. jumps out of, jumps out of bed, and he's a he's a three or four war player for your team over the course of unearned and too. But if he's able to do that he's going to be one of the brightest stars in all of baseball. You know, we're talking contracts and contract extensions. Every ranking of long-term value that you can find, yeah. uh, Ozzy Albies is right there. It's kind of above sometimes uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. in terms of the most valuable contracts in all of baseball. And, uh, again, I, I can't help but think, even if guys like Freddie Azuna take a bit of a step back from just the world-beating, offensive numbers they put up last year Mm. having Ozzy back into that mix will help prop this offense up again
0: yeah I definitely think that it can and to go back into the numbers you were talking about with Ozzy, that was a very encouraging sign is his success against righties because he's going to get most of his at-bats from the left-hand side of the plate just based on the percentage of right-handers he's going to face in baseball or just right-handers in baseball in general and how many lefties there are there's far more right-handed pitchers and last year uh, knocking on a 290 batting average and 860 OPS. All six of his home runs came off of right handed pitchers last year as well. He really struggled from the right side, which was strange to see because he's darn near a 350 hitter with a 950 OPS lifetime in his 442 plate appearances against lefties. So I think what will happen is that with a healthy Ozzy Albies, who I got to talk to a few weeks ago right before games got started, and he said the wrist is not bothering him. He had time over the off season to rested also to work out to get himself back to feeling that he can pick up where he left off in 2019 and not be hampered by that wrist and hopefully you know knock on wood it's not a chronic thing that crops back up again but sounded like he is ready to go and that's an exciting thing to think about adjustments that he made in 2020 that he could carry into 2021 and beyond and as you mentioned I want to get into an economics lesson here or whatnot but the Braves extensions with Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies are two of the most favorable contracts for any team in major league baseball and those are the kind of deals that hopefully if you're just looking at it in the big picture allow you to make the ozuna signing and the freddie freeman extension happen at the very least and to do other things with that payroll because as we know with the braves and their situation with liberty media they're going to have a decent payroll somewhere in the middle of baseball but they're going to have to be creative about it and i don't know if it gets much more creative than what they did with ronald and to a larger extent, what they did with Ozzie Albies a couple of years ago, getting him to sign that contract, kind of coming off a, a down second half in twenty eighteen, if you really look at the circumstances at that time. That is a far below the what I would imagine is just the average deal for a player with the upside and the talent of an Ozzie Albies heading into his mid twenties.
2: Yeah. My opinions on this are well documented, but sure. I will at least say the bargain of all bargains. Yes. Uh, at, is at the very least and that's to set aside all the, you know, how baseball economics are are functioning in 2020 and 2021. But, yeah, I mean, just going back to the field side of things, I, I, again, go back to this idea that if Freddie Freeman is hitting third again, Ozzy and the guy to his right are the prime candidates to step into that second spot in the lineup. And I think setting last year aside, I think top of mind would be – Okay, that makes sense for Ozzy against lefties, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense to do that again, you know for every single at bat, uh, regardless of who the starting pitcher is. So I'll be curious at, at what Brian Singer does there if he's so set on having Freddie hit third. Correct me if I'm wrong, but those are the two prime options, right? I mean, yeah. Darno probably slides back to to five. Azuna hits four, mm-hmm. and then you have your pick of Dansby and Ozzy, and those aren't bad picks. I mean. Again, if Ozzy does what he usually does against lefties, injury was fantastic last year against righties. I think you can make it work. It's not this detrimental two spot like we've seen in in past years. Yeah. but I think they have an option there. I, I would clearly like to see arguably the best hitter in the National League be in that spot. Where do you stand on you know Ozzy or as we slide a little bit to shortstop too? Where who's hitting second for you if Freddie's locked at third?
0: Yeah, because Dansby Swanson had success in the two-spot as well, in large part because that opportunity opened up when Ozzie Albies went down. Ultimately, Freddie Freeman ended Mm -hmm. up in that spot. And you and I, I could dig up the audio, and in fact, I might try. In about 2015, I think we did this same episode of this preview series. I've been doing it for seven, eight years now. And just by happenstance, I know we got into the Freddie Freeman discussion, and I'm pretty sure it was on the preview series and we talked about wouldn't it be nice to see Freddie Freeman bat second and get all those at bats look Mike Trout does it this guy does it that guy does it I don't remember who all we said at the time but I know Trout's name came up hey get your best players the most played appearances that you can which is a huge reason why I love Ronald Acuna Jr. batting leadoff and not say hitting cleanup I know he's got the power that's not really a question but he's more energized in that spot he gets more plate appearances in that spot and the more times Ronald Acuna Jr. bats the better I think the Braves chances are for winning a baseball game on the average day and the same would apply for Freddie Freeman because look only one guy is going to be able to hit in that spot of the order you have to run him through an order you can't try to get the equal number of at-bats for everybody or more at-bats for this guy and, and never bat another guy it just doesn't work that way unless we can get this DH thing working and that's a whole different story but to make a long story short I liked Freddie Freeman batting second. I wouldn't mind if it stayed that way, and I'm also not going to be surprised if they end up back there if there is any kind of lull for this offense, because I think that that's something that Brian Snitker can keep, no pun intended here either, in his back pocket with his lineup card, and say, you know what, this group needs a jolt. How are we going to jolt them? Well, let's bump Freddie up to two. Let's put Ozuna at three. Let's bat Darno cleanup. Let's hit Dansby Swanson fifth, Austin Riley sixth, you know, or Ozzie Albies fifth, Swanson, Riley, and then Pache and see what happens there. And that's, of course, if we don't get the DH back, which we're assuming at this point we're not. But uh, does that all make sense? You try it because you got the talent to do it by putting Ozzy and or Dansby back at number two. I think it'll be Ozzy. You don't mess with Ronald. Freddie's batted third for most of his career. Clearly, Marcelo Zuna is about as good a cleanup man as you're going to find coming off his 2020. I don't hate it. In fact, I kind of like it, but I kind of liked what they were doing last year a little bit more.
2: I do love you pointing out that my opinions haven't gotten any more creative over the years. I have been a broken record <laughs> for my entire career. We about were just this, ahead of the um, curve. For five, six years. <laughs> but, no, I'm with you. Look, it, there's a reason not to hit the panic button, and especially 162. I think last year every single game mattered. So if you weren't structuring your lineup or you weren't using your bullpen or anything else, optimizing that, it could cost you. And so last year I think there was a little bit more obviously attention and urgency on these things. So if they want to go back to doing this and it doesn't work, they can change it.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I would like
2: to see the open mindedness to you know to being flexible there and not just be so rigid on no Freddie is the third hitter. He's gonna be there for one sixty plus games. Right. So I'd like to see flexibility there, but you're right. Like if they have so much confidence in Ozzy or Dansby to be back at two, then it's it's not that the lineup you just went through, Acuna, Ozzy, Freddie, Azuna, Darno, Dansby, mm-hmm. and then at the back end probably you know a, a Pache and O'Reilly. Um, right. It's still a really good lineup. I mean, yeah. or, and that is still a lineup that is still going to be you know if everybody hits to their capabilities, top five and top five in baseball. But I'm with you. I mean, still, again, that one, two, three punch at the top, guaranteeing that Azuna hits in the first inning, maximizing plate appearances for your best three guys, Mm -hmm. all of that still makes sense to me on an analytical level. But it's not like they don't have – you know, I I always throw him out there and I feel really bad for doing this. But there were days in this franchise's recent history where Daniel Castro is hitting second.
0: And I'm sorry, Daniel,
2: for always throwing you under the bus, but, like, this isn't that – situation they do have potentially two young middle infield, field very good players all solid stars i would certainly put bozzi in a star category and Dansby uh seem to be scratching that potential last year yeah. so they have two very good players that can put it to it's not what i would do but as long as they're flexible if it isn't working out I, i'm not going to hit the panic button
0: yeah, and I don't know that a panic button is even necessary for a team that's as talented as this one is for any other reason than not only just inconsistency, but a major injury or something of that nature that look can happen over the course of a baseball season. We've seen it plenty of times. You don't plan for them to happen, but you have to have some kind of contingency in place to be able to react and adapt in the ways that you can to try to get things back on track. So the Braves are not going to be immune to the fact that their plans could change and not by their own doing, not by their own decision, or not by simply, hey, so and so's in a slump. We need to shake things up. But they've got the depth now that they didn't have a few years ago when they were trying seemingly anybody batting in the first couple of spots in the order. Freddie Freeman hit third. Somebody had to bat cleanup, so draw the straws there, and the rest of the lineup still stipulated you had to play nine guys that day, and that's what it felt like at times during that rebuild. There were some very unfamiliar names, some names that I'm sure some folks may have forgotten by now and some other names I'm sure that some folks wish they could forget that played for the Braves and maybe batted second at some point but uh, to not get completely lost in it though I I do like Ozzie Albee's potential as a two-place hitter in just about any lineup in baseball I do think that he has star potential and I do think and I think you were saying the same thing here unless I kind of got lost at Daniel Castro but Ozzie Albee's is one of the what, three best hitters on this team, four best hitters on this team. So to have him in one of the top four spots in the order, it's not crazy.
2: No, it's not. I mean, he's still a great hitter. And, again, if he's figured out those splits, the sky is the limit for this guy. I mean, so you're right. I mean, it's 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 not anything that anybody needs to start uh, panicking over. He's still a very good player. They have a bunch of them now. You know, I would say right now they have just six, you know, at their positions, especially you know top tier, yeah, maybe not top tier, but like in that in that above top average. top end range, yeah. yes, definitely above average for their positions. Um, and that and that is Ozzy Danby, Acuna, Freddie Azuna, and Darnell. Yeah. I mean, and if if you are using those guys in your top six, you're in a pretty good situation. And we can kind of leave it at that. I hope that Ozzy can continue to hit better and continue to improve, he has hit 8% above league average, hitting Mm -hmm. second over the course of his career. That's a very young career, and he's still kind of figuring things out at the plate. So as long as that top six, you're finding ways to optimize those guys and they can stay healthy, you're going to be in a good spot.
0: And I think the Braves have found themselves in a good spot, and Ozzie Albies has been right in the middle of it for better than three years now. Let's slide over to shortstop. His double play partner, of course, is Dansby Swanson, entering his age 27 season, coming off the best of his four – I call them full seasons in the majors. Obviously, 2020 was what it was, but Dansby was out there on a regular basis. He wasn't dealing with an injury that kind of derailed a month or more of his season like he was in 2018 and, of course, in 2019. Uh, he finished fourth among National League shortstops in Fangraph's version of wins above replacement. 1.9 war in 60 games. That's a pretty quality sample right there. Uh, two plague seasons. They were what they were, but last year, to just speak to how often he was out there, He led the National League in at-bats. It's not an exciting stat, but I love seeing the fact that he was piling up those at-bats. He also led all shortstops in Major League Baseball with 10 defensive runs saved in 2020. That kind of surprised me that he had jumped a lot of other really good fielding shortstops. And I'm not saying he's the premier shortstop, but he's certainly no slouch over there with a glove. He's shown us that for a number of years now. So it was a complete season, I felt like, for Dansby Swanson, and one that he did not have to stop either at the middle of the season and deal with an injury Or even worse, in 2018, I felt like was, hey, he wasn't even out there to participate in the playoffs because the season ended before it should have. So healthy Dansby Swanson in 2020 gives him momentum, I think, for the 2021 season, especially considering the numbers that he put up over the course of the full 60 games. What did you make of Dansby's 2020 season?
2: Well, let me ask you this in terms of terms of engagement. sure, Do you consider the 2020 season his breakout season?
0: Yeah, I definitely do. I would definitely call it his breakout season.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I thought that that's the Danzy Swanson they've been hoping for. I mean, it really is. I mean, Dansby Swanson has never, and I think Dansby would tell you this himself, he's not the the standout, flashy, one- or two-tool guy. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be that, like, 40-home-run guy. Or, sure. you know, honestly, the, the tools the defensively that you just pushed out there I think would jump off the board to me because I never expected him to be leading you know the league, especially at that position. Mm-hmm. But he's just so fundamentally solid all around. When you put it all together, the defense, the base running, you know, at, at the plate last year, top four in this team coming back in terms of barrel percentage. Yeah. Uh, behind only you know Acuna, Zuna, and Freeman, two you know three MVP candidates last year. It's exactly what you're hoping for. I mean, if you put together what he did last year over a course of 162, I'm not. I'm trying to just extrapolate in my head. But you're looking at a, a top tier, up the middle defensive player hitting 25 something home runs, getting on base around a 350 clip. That is a standout, if not all star, but certainly standout shortstop for you. And if you're getting that, again, shortstop, center field, catcher, these are the premium up the middle positions. And if you are getting that level of production out of Gansby Swanson on top of everything else that you had going on, in this lineup. I was impressed, uh, I'm not going to lie. It felt like when he was at the plate, if there was if there was a guy on base in a big big situation, um, he was driving him in. Yeah. And um, I know he, he didn't end up probably over the course of 100, you know, 60 games I and mean, he only ended up with 35 RBI, but it felt like when those moments, you know, popped up, he was delivering
1: yeah. and
2: you know, clutching in, whatever you want to call it. It was just impressive to see it all come together for him. Um, if he does that again, I mean, if he's getting on base at a 350 clip and, you know, slugging 460 something and playing that defense, he's going to be an all star candidate. And again, going back to that top six in this lineup, um, the Braves are just incredibly, uh, they, they are well equipped to go 162 if you have six borderline, you know, based on just last year's productions, just six borderline stars just ingering your lineup. And I'm with you. In the past, the injury things have been an issue. Uh, I didn't know that about the at-bats leaving, leaving the majors. But that part of it, too, is can he put it together now? Because I'm with you. at the breakout season. Put it all together. If he can do that over 162, it's the guy that – Everybody was hoping they traded for back in 2016.
0: Absolutely. And as I look over the numbers, if you want to get into the projection of the difference of what a 60-game season and a 162 is, as you mentioned, about 25 home runs. You'd be looking at about 80, 85 RBIs, about 15 stolen bases. By the way, the projection on runs scored for Dansby Swanson would be somewhere in the 125 to 130 range. That's the pace he was on over a 162 based on the 60 game sample from last year and oh by the way an 800 plus OPS which would be the best of his career was the best of his career other than his shortened rookie campaign of 2016 when he came up late in the year so he really was starting to put all the things together he had some highs and some lows in terms of being a little bit streaky I mean I know what Ronald Acuna Jr does I know what Freddie Freeman does and I know everybody has their moments but I feel a great amount of comfort when the Braves are in a position to strike or they need a hit or they've got somebody out there that has to be driven in for the game to continue or to walk it off. I feel immensely comfortable with Dansby Swanson in those positions. He's just had a knack for being there for the Braves and that might be a a little hyperbolic or it might be just kind of uh, romanticizing some of those moments as just being what they are because walk-offs are exciting but then you start to look at what he did in the postseason and He was very good again last year and lifetime now, a 300-plus hitter in the postseason with three homers, 11 runs knocked in in 17 playoff games. So when the lights are brightest, Dansby Swanson's one of those guys that you like to have in your lineup and that you like to go to war with.
2: I don't have – I have not done the research on this, but you mentioning defensive runs saved on this makes me wonder how many players out there are in that – even have the capability or even have joined – that 202020 club in terms of home runs, stolen bases, and defensive runs saved, I would probably throw guys like Javi Baez into that mix, yeah. but the has that potential to just affect the game with some power. I mean, he has real pop. He has the all the tools to steal 20 bags and then as you just mentioned, you know, one of the best defensive players in baseball last year. You put that on, you put that over the course of a full season, and he's reaching probably 2025. 20, defensive run saved so 2020 club let's let's invent that kind of tracker for danzy swanson this year because if he puts it together that's the sort of capability the sort of ability that he has and it, it's been fun to watch and again he's you know we talked freddie certainly top of mind but him doing that over the course of the year i would be a lot more comfortable talking numbers in terms of mm-hmm. his own extension that seems to be around the corner i think that I think he's in a little bit of that no man's land, not to diminish anything he did last year. But I would love to see a full season of D'Andre Swanson, you know, an actual full MLB season of D'Andre Swanson putting that together. Because it is impressive when it all comes together for him. And um, certainly this team is, is all the better for it when they have a star shortstop up the middle.
0: And to your point, I think it's a little bit more of a I love what you did last year. Now show me over 162 because ultimately that's what teams are going to want to see. Of course, you want to play the 162, which is the plan this year and moving forward. But with what he had to work with last year, the time that he had, he certainly made the most of it. And I just looked up the sprint speed leaders on the Braves. You might not be surprised to find that the top man on that list is Ronald Acuna Jr. Among Braves regulars, though, last year, Dansby Swanson was number two and it was a lot closer than you might think. Ronald was 29.2 feet per second on the sprint speed leaderboard for the Braves. Dansby 28.5. He's sneaky fast. He can certainly steal bases. He's a pretty smart base runner, maybe a player or two aside in the National League Championship Series where things go wrong sometimes, but either way, I mean, that's just another one of the many tools that he has is he can run and he can run the bases as well. So one of the fastest members of the Braves just ahead of Ozzie Albies as well. And I think it speaks hey, to the by, overall package. By the package. way,
2: base running metrics mm-hmm. uh, last year by FanGraphs uh, in terms of base running value tops in the majors among qualified players, and I would assume all players uh, best base runner in baseball last year.
0: Isn't it amazing? And that's I think yeah. why it was so surprising in the NLCS when the Braves had that you know unfortunate lapse on the bases in a critical situation, trying to put the Dodgers away and unable to do so. And I'm not going to hang that around his neck and make him carry it around like kryptonite and what was that, Superman or Superman 2, but (laughs) either way, this is a talented player. He did a lot last year. I think he's got a lot to give the Braves in 2021. Now, we know a lot about the first baseman, the second baseman, and the shortstop for the Braves. Those are not really question marks at all. In fact, they haven't been question marks for a while in the cases of some. But third base has been what seems like an annual question mark for the Braves, at least having to reassess it year over year. And now Austin Riley, I think, finds himself in a big opportunity. I think that this job is his if he can grasp it, hold on to it, and start to put up some consistency throughout the 2021 season. He's still only 24 years old. He debuted two years ago. And he did something interesting that I kind of had to dig in to find out. He was able to cut his strikeout rate from 36.4% in 2019 to 23.8% in 2020, which may not excite people. But that 13% that he cut out of his strikeout rate was the biggest improvement of any hitter in baseball in 2020. That I will take as an improvement. And then to go back to the eye test, I liked a lot of the at-bats that Austin Riley was putting up night after night for the Braves last year. I could see what I felt like was the improvement that he was working so hard to elevate his game and really earn that spot as a third baseman of the Atlanta Braves for now and going into the future.
2: Yeah, to your point, there's still a lot of swing and miss in his game. Uh, still bottom 25 and swing and miss mm-hmm. in baseball last year, but the strikeout rate is clearly it's the direction you want to see him going in. Yeah, do and it I again. Think, I mean, you yeah, have to do it again and cut it again. Maybe not by 13 percentage points, but it's you can cut it by <laughs> yeah, even 5 percentage five points. I don't think
1: 5 or 6,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, there is a case to be made that with Freddie, Ozzie, and Danby, if you have anything close to you know, an above-average major league regular at third base that this is the best infield of baseball. Austin Riley is the, or third base in general, but certainly the spotlight is on Riley right now, is the question mark here. It is the question mark of the power is real, but how much miss are you going to have? How much consistency are you going to have? And the good news for Atlanta, and I, again, feel like a broken record, is they have their top six, so the pressure is not on Austin Riley from the get-go to sneak into that cleanup spot, to sneak into that five spot, right? You know, and I know that that's what going back to his rookie year when he was hitting a home run seemingly every second AB, uh, and a Chipper joined our booth one time and was saying that this is your future cleanup hitter. I mean, this is what he looks like. It's light tower power. Yeah, and <laughs> at the time. Chipper was just preaching to the choir because he's hitting 16 home runs and like something like 18 at bat, it felt like, but um, it hasn't come as consistently uh, as I know Austin would like, as I know the Braves would like, but I, I do know that Austin works very hard mm-hmm. and there were small improvements last year. And you mentioned the strikeout rate, but along with that, the OBP creeps up 22 points. I yeah. mean, and, and those are the little things that you like to see. He did hit, for quite as much power last year going from 4.71 to 4.15. But that is really a product of just that insane run that he went on uh, when he first made it up to the majors. But I think if you you know kind of cut the cake out and take out maybe his first 15 home runs out of there, that slugging wasn't nearly as high. He really struggled at the end of 2019. Yeah. Um, so you know if you're starting to get that marginal improvement, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to see him even be a league average hitter this year. Because right now the Braves have some options. You know, Jake Lamb hit really well for Oakland in a very small sample size. You have Yohan Camargo that has struggled the past few years as well. They have some depth. They have some major league experience at third base. But they don't have that guy. And that has always been the question for this franchise at third base since number 10 uh, walked out the door. But Riley is their best shot at it to date, and you would like to see him put it all together because you know he works hard. The mm-hmm. power is real. You know, if he plays 162 or if he plays even 150, it's sure. You know, he's a he's a 25 30 home run guy. I mean, that's it's all there for him. He just can't the strikeout rate, the swing and miss. He needs to continue cutting that down. He needs to get on base more. But again, he can do that in this probably the seventh spot in this lineup. If I just sitting right here right now today, I'm probably saying Christian Pache is hitting eight for yep. you. Uh, out of the gate in 2020 and that means Austin Riley you're hitting uh, right behind some really good hitters so you probably have some guys on base for you and you're going to have a chance to do damage at the back end of this lineup so make it happen
0: yeah and this is what you're talking about with the lengthening the lineup and the Braves are happy to have these guys that have the opportunity to really contribute in the run scoring department and Riley's one of those guys and you mentioned the Braves have been looking for a third baseman for a while on a regular basis they've tried out I think at this point I've lost count but about three dozen different men have played third base since Chipper Jones retired after 2012. That's quite a lot and then I think you can also maybe turn up the scrutiny on Riley a little bit because hey the Braves had Josh Donaldson in 2019 and he was pretty darn good and now you got to follow that and try to establish yourself as a big league player. There's a little bit of pressure that's built in there whether that's subconscious or not but I do know the things that you pointed out about Austin Riley that since I met him way back in 2017 He has worked hard year over year to find ways to improve his game. At first, it was, hey, defensively, can this guy stick at third base? That was a huge question mark as a minor league player, you know, as a prospect coming up, because the Braves kind of took a calculated risk on Riley, who a lot of other clubs looked at as a pitcher, and decided, hey, we're going to let him be a position player. And I would say that as of right now where we're sitting, I think that that was a good choice for both him and for the Braves. And the power's there. 503 big league plate appearances, 26 home runs. That's a very good rate right there I can tell you and that would go to Zach's point about you got a 30 homer threat right here he could be batting seventh for you and that's something else that's kind of a lower pressure spot in the lineup again you're not expecting him to back cleanup you're not expecting him to be quote unquote the guy night in and night out the pressure's not on him in that way but I think personally he expects a lot from himself now standard wise to perform at a certain level and to continue making those improvements and Another thing about his path to the big leagues is that, you know, he's not really playing third base on a nightly basis all the time. This guy started 49 games at third base in his career. He started 64 games in the outfield. So this would really be an opportunity over 162 to play one position and to play it well and to get not only some consistency in his game, but also some continuity in what he's being asked to do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Again, there have been some struggles against righties. As we expected from a young player, I love what you mentioned. I thought that he's really put it together a lot better than expected. Even I expected. Defensively, he looks fine over there. Mm-hmm. You know, he moves well for a big man, is what you hear a lot from guys like Ron Washington and Brian Thicker. You know, I think working with Wash certainly helped him there. Sure. So, uh, Austin Riley's future is tied to his bat. I mean, there's there's no question about that. It's nice that he's put it together and he's a viable option at, at third base. I mean, I. I love what he's done there. I have no problems defensively him sticking over there. But his future is still, can he figure it out at the plate? And, mm-hmm. you know, if he doesn't this year, that's probably going to be the big next question for this team, DH or not, and, you know, whatever happens in baseball, the big next question for this team is, okay, and I want to backtrack a minute. I did gloss over Josh Donaldson's wonderful year here. When I was saying they haven't figured out since Chipper, clearly, I mean, long-term, um, oh, and that's and, accurate,
0: absolutely. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, but Josh Hamilton was fantastic, so thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what there is left to say about Riley that we haven't already covered. Right. His future is tied to putting it together, and I want to at least point out, dude's 23 years old. You know, he's about to turn 24, I think, here Couple in the weeks. next month or yeah. so, but, like, he's 24 years old, and he has time. I mean, I think that so This is again another broken record moment, but we expect young players so much to be Acuna, to be Tatis Jr., to be Cody Bellinger, to step into a major league environment and be ready to go. And just you know, if you're not ready to go, um, especially after one or two years, not to say we you get discarded under the trash heap, but this is the era now when so many young guys are showing up ready to go yeah but it's not how it works out for everybody different you know guys develop on different timelines so if Austin Riley is more of that you know late bloomer at 24 25 years old that sounds insane for me to say that but now the guy's hitting you know right out of the gate at 19 and 20 yeah 24 25 is a little later and that would be perfectly okay and I, I think that we have to give guys time to work with hitting coaches, to work at the major league level, to figure out um, how they're going to approach ABs and to figure out uh, their game plans against pitchers um, and learn the league a little bit. Austin Riley would not be the first, and he will not be the last to to struggle in his first few years and then start to figure it out.
0: Yeah, and you hope that that's what you see, of course, is that he will figure it out. But it is important to circle back again to the fact that this guy's career is not 162 games old as far as the big leagues are concerned yeah. so how much time are we giving guys now to really find out who they are and not only as you know young players but also as hitters and other aspects of the game that just may come naturally to some guys a little bit quicker some guys have to work for it a little bit more it doesn't mean they don't have talents doesn't mean they don't have skills or, or particular tools that will carry them to a certain extent but austin Riley is a guy that will put in the work and i think he has put in the work and continues to do so and uh, with that in mind i think that is our starting infield on opening day barring anything unforeseen happening as you got freddie freeman at first ozzie albies at second austin Riley at third and dansby swanson at shortstop i do want to talk about a couple of names before we wrap up this discussion here and i'm going to kind of maybe rapid fire a little bit with him we know a lot about johan camargo we've talked a lot about him he's also a guy that has enjoyed a little bit of success and had to deal with his fair share of struggles especially the last couple of years Uh, The broken shin in 2019 did not help his cause either, but I think Camargo's certainly getting to that point where I think that we know who he is at this point, where to play him might be a different question. And then you bring in a guy like Jake Lamb that can play some third base, could play first base if you need him to. You got to have some kind of backup plan over there, but you got a couple of guys that can play third base. Maybe that'll push Riley a little bit, but it also is valuable to have, on your bench, especially since Lamb is a left-hand hitter and Camargo is a switch hitter?
2: Lamb was a good pickup for them. I'm not going to lie, especially when you look at his active roster. I think over the last three years, it's Freddie Freeman and then Jake Lamb in terms of games played at first base. And I didn't think, again, we're talking about Austin Riley moving to the outfield. I didn't think he looked that bad when they had to move him the first at all. a little bit. No. But, again, you don't want to be moving that piece, which you're hoping is a young core piece. Uh, still TBD there, but... You know adding in a Jake Lamb certainly helps I've been high probably higher on Camargo than maybe his numbers have deserved, and certainly uh, higher than most it's sometimes difficult to put 2018 in the rearview mirror when that is now almost three years away you know he was great you know a three war player, nineteen home runs really seemed like he had figured it out and now he struggled really put together a nice performance in the winter leagues and Sometimes that can propel a guy into a season when you keep playing, and I know he had mentioned that uh, you're not just in workout mode, and you are still keeping all those baseball skills uh, yeah. fresh and ready to go. So I certainly hope that you know this is not exactly a Braves bench that looks like you know a top tier bench at the moment. You know they certainly have some questions for the first time in a long time, pretty much since 2015 Definitely. about backup catcher. They don't have that veteran guy. I certainly am extremely high on Contreras, and mm-hmm. Alice Jackson looked fine there last year too. But Jake Lamb, Camargo, Contreras, you're kind of hoping that bench rounds out into some pieces that you can use. And at least you can say that with Lamb and Camargo as you can move them around. You just kind of hope that Lamb's Oakland situation was closer to reality because he's a guy that has dealt with injuries and stuff as well too. So if Lamb, what he was able to do in a, a little bit of time – with the A's, and if Camargo can start to put it together, you feel a lot better about this bench than maybe you did a couple months ago and you're looking around and before they brought Azuna in, you're like, well, they need the one big bat, and after that I don't know about this bench. So we'll see how that all comes together for them. It certainly adds some competition because Jake Lamb and Camargo both have success in that rearview mirror, but again, it wasn't 2020, and you kind of want somebody out there to hold that third base spot down.
0: Definitely. And I think Austin Riley may have the first crack at that, but it's important to have those layers of depth. And the Braves bench is a little bit in transition, more so this year than in any years past. And not just not having a veteran backup catcher, as they've had more of those veteran platoons the last couple of years, you are going to start seeing, you know, whether it be William Contreras or in the future, Shea Langoliers is, of course, going to be part of the picture behind the plate. But Travis Darno was a super productive hitter last year for the Braves, and they're hoping he can do it again in 2021. But Tyler Flowers is no longer that kind of known commodity, if you want to call it a safety net or whatever. Not the most exciting player is your backup catcher, but it's kind of nice to have knowing what they can do and, of course, what Tyler was bringing you know, day in and day out in terms of helping pitchers game plan and you know, work in the film room as well. And before we get too down the catcher's rabbit hole, I want to throw a few names at you that are in camp for non-roster spots and fighting for a spot on the yeah. Braves bench. A. Ray Adrianza, of course, has some big league experience coming over from the Twins. Uh, he is on a minor league deal jason kipnis as well and of course pablo sandoval was here briefly last year and even ended up on the playoff roster for the braves kipnis clearly the more accomplished i think of those players in more recent years um sandoval his postseason resume certainly speaks for itself you like having veteran players you like having guys that have a little bit of versatility pablo can play third base he may not look it but he's still kind of sprightly over there he's a switch hitter kipnis meanwhile a little power a little speed mostly a second baseman though and adrianza kind of plays all over he's a pretty well-rounded ball player none of these are the most exciting names but of course you're trying to round out your bench with guys that can be useful and i think to a certain extent an argument can be made for each of the three but they're probably going to have to have a pretty good month of march to be able to convince the braves that hey i deserve a spot on that bench with roster spots being at a premium
2: yeah, it would be really nice, especially for Kipnis. Yeah, if he had a little more versatility, He's played some center field in his career, but I don't think that is an option for for him moving forward or for this team. I mean, last few years it's been second base only. I think he played one game. Yeah, he played one game last year at first base for the Cubs. But again, that first base spot you have an MVP there that hates to be out of the lineup. I really would like for Kipnis to be that guy. Even last year, again, we're talking smaller sample sizes, but he started hitting the ball a little bit better. He's had some rough years at the end there in Cleveland. But, again, if you have a guy that has that track record that can put together, you know, a 340-ish OVP, bring you some pop, I think Kipnis is probably the best hitter out of that group um, still in terms of both track record and what he did in 2020. But there's not a lot of versatility there. so. Maybe guys like Jake Lamb and Camargo being around, you don't need it as much, mm-hmm. and which would be fine. You do kind of sometimes need that pinch hitting option when you don't have the DH in the, in there anymore. So if I had to, I would say Kittness might be my favorite. Um, where do you stand? I mean, I, I I didn't see a lot from Sandoval last year. Of course, they didn't give him a lot to really work with. No. But I kind of think that that's kind of old history. Yeah, But I don't know. I feel like teams keep trying to figure something out there after San Francisco did it in 2019, but it hasn't seemed to come together yet for him. And I, I think I'd move in a different direction.
0: Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I think Sandoval's the guy that if he surprises you and, and gets hot and is productive, like he was a couple of years ago in San Francisco, well, Hey, that'd be great. But I don't think you can bank on that. Certainly at this point, because, you know, and I hate to put it this way, but it is the truth. I mean, these guys aren't getting any younger when they're getting towards the back end of their careers. So to count on a Renaissance or resurgence, it's simply the, the odds are against you if you want to call it that Adrianza is a decent all-around player but doesn't do anything necessarily stand out if you will he's got versatility that of course is helpful but I don't think that he gives you anything really that Johan Camargo doesn't offer for that matter and that's why I feel like this is more maybe a guy that you're looking to push Johan Camargo a little bit with as kind of that hey, this guy can play all over as well so why don't you guys figure it out who's going to have the better spring and we'll go from there Uh, but I do think Kipnis is probably the guy that is the more enticing or or intriguing of those non-roster guys that we talk about simply because of the track record that he has and the fact that he was a pretty useful player last year in Chicago by and large the numbers don't jump off the page for you but a little bit of power I still think he can run the base as well even if he's not stealing 30 bags like he was early on with Cleveland he's still a decent all-around player and I like him to have some left-handed pop off the bench if that's what it's going to come down to. So uh, there's a case to be made, I guess, for all three. I just feel like the case is probably stronger for Kipnis. But again, he's going to have to show the Braves not necessarily huge numbers in Grapefruit League play, but that, hey, the at bats are good. You know, the glove work is good. When he gets the opportunity to do that, that he can run the base as well, all of those things. It's winning a job for him after many years of more or less having a job, maybe a little bit less last year with Chicago but certainly with Cleveland where he was a staple from 2011 all the way through
2: 2019. So not to finish this up here, but are we saying I think it's where I'm kind of landing on at the moment based on our conversation is Lamb, Contreras, Camargo, Kipnis, and Enciarte as your five-man bench?
0: It definitely could be. And it, a lot will depend on, I think, Enciarte's dealing with a thumb issue that might yeah. keep him back, but it never hurts to have guys that are a little bit more versatile but it also helps when you don't have the D8 to have guys that might be a little bit more hit first than glove first. And sometimes you just got to troubleshoot problems when they pop up throughout the season. That's what you have a minor league system for. The Braves have some prospects. They can always make 40 man moves and do different things. I mean, they may not love having to do that and nobody loves dealing with injuries. But while I like to focus on having a good bench, I don't think that the bench is the difference between the Braves winning the National League East or advancing through the postseason. I think there's enough there with the talent that they have, both in the starting lineup, in the starting rotation, and of course in the bullpen as well, for that matter, to make them a great all-around team, even if they could use some improvement in the bench. And maybe it's something you deal with throughout the season and, of course, at the trade deadline.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They have the pieces in place. They clearly have the form system to make moves if they need to. Um, And yeah, a back-to-back MVP season for Freddie would help. Yes. Uh, Somebody else sneaking in there for MVP honors wouldn't do that bad for them either. So um, they're in a good spot. I mean, they're a very good team. You look at them across the board, rankings-wise, they're going to have a, you know, I, I saw MLB has them as a top-10 rotation. Mm-hmm. Sounds right to me. I think this bullpen uh, still has the pieces in place. I think everybody would like to probably see one more arm in there. But I think it was Chris Martin talking about this. Like, they believe in, you know, so many of the young pieces they have in place. And then this offense is, top-tier. It's top-notch. I don't know if it's going to be a top-two offense for them again. Certainly, everything has to fall into place for, for that to happen for any team, but I mean, I, I feel pretty comfortable it's a top-five-ish offense, yet again. And if, if the pieces that they have at the back end, and I'm looking at Pache and, of course, the guy we talked about a lot with Austin Riley, if those if they start scratching the surface of their potential, if they're a World Series candidate. And this is what it looks like, is you have a you have a couple holes over hundred and sixty two, you need that depth. You can't just rely on the same, you know, nine guys uh every mm-hmm. single night, or I guess same eight guys without the D H and a different picture, but it's not gonna look like that. And the Braves it's how they won in twenty eighteen, it's how they won in twenty nineteen with that depth. Twenty twenty I feel like that the top talent really propelled them. And if they're gonna do it again in twenty twenty one, a blend of those two again makes you a World Series contender
0: it does and with the talent they have in the starting lineup on a daily basis i would certainly put this team up against any in the national league we're talking about of course the dodgers i mean they're there every year until somebody knocks them off the top of that perch and then the padres have gotten awful good this year as well but right in there the braves are i I feel like the braves are right there the padres that ton of talent now they have to take that talent and turn it into a consistent winner and they're going to have something they haven't had in quite a while i feel like out in san diego maybe in spurts but not as much is the expectation of taking a huge step this year and challenging a team like the Dodgers. So it's going to be interesting to see how the National League shakes out. But I think we've discussed how the Braves infield could shake out and, of course, who we're going to be looking at as the stars that are going to be carrying not only this infield, but the Braves lineup in 2021. He's Zach Dillard of Fox Sports South. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. You can follow the Fox Sports South Braves account at Fox Sports Braves. And Zach is at Zach underscore Dillard. Zach, it's been too long. I'm glad that we went a little bit longer on this show because I feel like we had a lot to talk about, especially when it came to the future of Freddie Freeman, the young stars the Braves have up the middle, and possibly a a player for the future, and Austin Riley at third base. It's a pretty fun group to talk about.
2: Very fun group. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, we'll do it again soon, man.
0: It's always a pleasure to talk to Zach, and I felt like we got into a lot of great Braves discussion about what's going on in the Atlanta infield in 2021. As always, make sure you subscribe to From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews. If you'd be so kind as to tell a friend, I'd appreciate that as well. You can also find every episode of the show on the YouTube channel. Just search for my name, Grant McCauley. And you can find everything, including the videos, the audio, and the articles, and anything else I can come up with over on FromTheDiamond.com. As always, I appreciate you making From the Diamond part of your baseball podcast regimen each and every week. And of course, I appreciate Zach Dillard for making some time for me this week as well. Don't get to talk some Braves infield. We're moving our preview series along. Next up, it's going to be the Braves outfield. I got a special guest lined up for that one as well. Really looking forward to that episode of the show coming your way next week. That'll wrap us up for this episode of From the Diamond. So for Zach Dillard, I'm Grant McCauley. We will catch you next time. So long, everyone.